everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Toogie's Take Podcast. It's it's two of the guys, two of the fellas here today. I am joined alongside Mr. Sin for the win as Endo Mills continues to try and dig himself out of however much snow the city of Toronto and surrounding areas got yesterday. I believe the last uh, message we got from him was something in relation to it feels like my arms are about to fall off and I need about three days worth of sleep. So no Endo Mills here today. He'll be back at the end of the week. But Sin, we're here to talk some hockey. How you doing? How'd the weekend treat you? How's it going? Oh, it's it's been great. The weekend was nice. Uh, pretty busy, actually. I went back to the Bay Area with the girlfriend again for like yet another Christmas celebration this time with other family who couldn't be there. It's like my third one or whatever. But uh, yeah, it was it was fantastic. And uh, a lot of travel lately. And with the whole <laughs> ECL starting up, it's just it's been a lot going on. So things have just been flying by here. It's the middle of January already. This episode yeah. being recorded on January 18th. I get that. The whole busy feeling. Of course, Sid mentioned it. Twitch.tv forward slash NHL Gamer. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday, 2 p.m. Eastern. You can catch Sin and I over there doing some commentary for NHLGamer.com. The premier esports organization. That's right, I said it. Uh, as well, screw it, since I'm throwing ads out there, of course, as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Manscaped.com. You can use code Tuki at checkout for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. Anything that you would need for your male grooming needs, you can find at Manscaped. And as well, a shout out uh, to our other new partner here at Thrive Fantasy. You can click the link in the description, no matter where you are watching or listening to this. Sign up today, receive an instant 100% first deposit match for up to that first $100, plus two free contest, contest entries when you deposit at least 10 bucks. So again, a big thank you to Manscaped and Thrive Fantasy for sponsoring this show. And Sin, to promote something else that's not affiliated with us, I had to bring this up to somebody, because I haven't been able to talk about it yet. Did you see the concert lineup for When We Were Young? Mm-hmm. Yes. What are you oh doing in October, buddy? You want to go to Vegas? Um, yeah, no, I don't want to go to Vegas, but I <laughs> might go to Vegas, <laughs> because that lineup is my literal teen years. Mm-hmm. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Live Nation is putting together literally like the ultimate early to mid-2000s concert lineup. It's being headlined by My Chemical Romance and Paramore, uh, AFI's on the card, The Used, yeah. Bring Me the Horizon, Taking Back Sunday. Like, dude, it's ridiculous. Avril Lavigne's on the, on the, it's, dude, like literally pretty much anybody you'd possibly want to listen to. Or that you remember from back in the day is there Jimmy Eat Worlds yeah. on the docket too? Like, dude, I, I how is that? Well, how is this a thing? Like, <laughs> I, how are they all still? How did it's it's amazing? And AFI is gonna come out there and sing the sorrow, and it's just gonna be so good, dude. I want to see. I like literally like I I love My Chemical Romance. I love Paramore. Obviously, I've never seen AFI in concert, and I'm like, mm, mm, so, a, I I was in an elevator with Davey Havoc at a Not So Silent Night years and years ago. <laughs> and that's my kind of claim to fame with AFI. I was in an elevator with Davey Havoc. <laughs> you shared an elevator with Davey Havoc. I ate in the same mm -hmm. restaurant as John Cena. Uh, we all there have these stories. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, we might have to make that happen because that concert lineup's insane. Anybody that has, uh, you know, uh, 
check out check out that concert lineup, and uh, we'll meet you all in Vegas this yeah. October because that sounds fun as hell. Perfect transition to talking about Vegas, though. Of course, the NHL All-Star Game is in Vegas, and on the last episode, we talked a lot about the All-Star teams and the selections and how god-awful it is, which, again, isn't surprising in the slightest. Like, we've all known this. We've all talked about how kind of rough the All-Star Game is at this point. But there is an update to this. Um, Shout-out to some of the friendos of ours that are going to this, by the way. Um... As much as as much as I'd love to go, boy, boy, going to Vegas that uh, that close to when Christmas was just yeah. Talk about a head on the wallet. Uh, but the last man in polls uh, have been completed, and the fans have selected uh, the last four uh, options in. Steven Stamkos will be representing the Atlantic Division. Good pick. Uh, Mika Zabanajad would have represented the Metro, uh, but he cannot, uh, he cannot, quote, attend due to personal reasons. He will be replaced by Jake Gensel, who should have been in over Zabanajad this season in the first place. Uh, <laughs> from the Central Division, common sense prevails. Nazem Kadri will at least make the All-Star game. I mean, great. NHL punching the air right now. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to try to put the fix in, just like they did with John yeah, Scott, to stop well, it from yeah. happening, clearly. Send him down to the AHL. <laughs> <laughs> if Kadri ends up on waivers and doesn't get claimed, we all know what happened. He's going to come down with a mysterious illness or a suspension. Yeah. Like, he'll get elbowed in the head, and then he'll get suspended just long enough to miss the All-Star game. Um, and Troy Terry will be the last man in for the Pacific Division, which, yes... Yes. Yeah, I'm yes. still pissed that Egress isn't going to be there, but, you know. I mean, Mar- again, we talked about a lot of the snubs yeah. on the last episode. Marshawn, Zegers, two of the primary snubs that come to mind, certainly. But, hey, it's the All-Star game, and what are you going to do? But at least for the most part, the last man in. Again, I, I, I don't care as much that I won't be watching it, but I probably would have watched if Zegers was going to be there. And I'm just saying. <laughs> the Actually, idea of Meyer's going to be there, so I might still tune into part of it because Timo, but... That's fair. Whatever. I just saw him score five goals. He's not fucking upping that performance. <laughs> it's just that idea of I want it to actually represent what it should in that you have the best players for this particular season playing against one another at the same time. But yeah. no. No, we, we can't. We can't have that. But we can have some good things. Some good things. The Premier Hockey Federation, of course, the rebranded uh, NWHL uh, heading into this season, has made arguably the biggest announcement so far in women's hockey history. Like Today is a very, very good day. Uh, there is a commitment from their board of governors to invest over $25 million in direct payment to its players over the next three years. They are more than doubling each team's salary cap, and they have already committed as well to adding two expansion franchises next year. One is all but confirmed to be in Montreal, which, again, back in the day when you had the two kind of competing women's hockey leagues, of course, the Montreal side of things with the Canadians essentially um, belong to the other league, and there's been a lot of complications and hurdles trying to get Montreal into the PHF. That looks like it's finally happening. The other team has yet to be announced. As well, full health care benefits for all players and paid maternity leave. 
we're making progress, everybody. Can you believe this? My God, imagine that. Uh, the salary cap, again, as I mentioned, increasing. Uh, it's going up to $750,000, uh, which is a 150% increase over the current 300 k cap. Um, as well, uh, part of this money and a part of this uh, you know, idea to kind of bring this to the next level, they're upgrading team facilities, purchasing new equipment, getting players more ice time. There's an expanded 28-game schedule now. Um, another mention, players will have control over their own likeness and be able to profit from their own image. This is just fantastic and something that I think fans of women's hockey have been waiting a very, very long time for. This is phenomenal news. Yeah, it's absolutely massive. And this is what it takes to kind of grow things. It takes investment. It takes, you know, taking risks. And I love that the fact that they're going to give control over their own likeness and their own image uh -huh. uh, to those players. Number one, it it's a hell it 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 inspires them, kind of encourages them to market themselves, yeah. which in turn will market the game. It's uh -huh. it's a very, very smart thing. Short-sighted companies always want to control every single aspect of that, yeah. and that's where they screw up because they, they're missing out on the big picture right there, and that's mm -hmm. absolutely massive. So good on the PHF and absolutely amazing. I, I, this, this, this is huge, and I, this could you know really make women's hockey you know, continue to grow in leaps and bounds, which is amazing. And I just – the future of just seeing so many you know young girls out there who are interested in hockey have those you know now role models who they can really look to and – a, a future in, in the sport that isn't considered to be, you know, second class. Yeah. And that's amazing. Last step, of course, I'd say would be, yeah, I think what everyone's already looking forward towards is, of course, you still have the separate group, the Players Association, with the likes of Hillary Knight. The last step, really, mend that fence. Make sure you have the best talent available to really showcase this league. And again, uh, you talk about the Olympics coming up. Oh, well, the NHL is not going to the Olympics, so it's not worth it. Watch the women's tournament. It'll be some of the best hockey you watch all year. I mean, especially if you're a Habs fan, it'll be the best hockey you watch all year, flat out. Uh, <laughs> had to do it. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. And again, like I still think there's that update coming for NHL 22 to get the women's tournament into the game. That's awesome. Which I will say, like, they kind of dropped the ball with the World Junior Tournament, with the Men's World mm -hmm. Junior Tournament, even though they patched in all the players, which is cool as hell. So, like, Owen Powers in NHL 22, where he normally wouldn't be because he's an NCAA player. Granted, you can't take those players outside of the World Junior mode. That kind of sucks, but it's understandable well, due to licensing issues. Uh, um, I don't believe there's a unique cell. Hmm? You can't put him in franchise. I don't believe so, no. So they have the rights to put him in because of the IA, double IHF license, but they don't have the rights to put him in to the rest of the game. Um, oh, so. player I will say in their defense, player licensing is very, very finicky, especially no, in yeah, the NCAA. It's, it's getting better. Yeah. Obviously, NCAA college football coming back in the next few years, it is getting better. Um, but I will mention that particular mode, they did kind of drop the ball a little bit. There's no, I believe, like unique championship celebration for when you win the gold, and there's no bronze medal there's. game. So... Let's hope they don't half-ass the, the women's edition there. But regardless for the PHF, phenomenal news. Was very happy to read that today. And before we get to our day-by-day, -day, you want to talk some football, buddy? Yeah, let's do it. Our picks were horrible. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. So we'll start off. 
with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah. Where Sen and I both kind of went with our heart and said we wanted the Pittsburgh upset. There was not a Pittsburgh upset. Endo Mills, though, correctly predicting. There were Kansas upset City. Pittsburgh fans. <laughs> oh, my God. We put the jinx on him, clearly. Yeah. The elephant in the room is there were, what, two games of the six that were kind of close, and the rest were complete blowouts. Like, it was it was brutal. Um, for Pittsburgh, hey, apparently that's how Ben Roethlisberger is going to go out. Uh, complicated legacy. We'll leave it at that for, for yep. one Mr. Roethlisberger. Uh, I'm going I'm to skip the other game for now. We'll come back to it. Uh, the uh, Raiders and the Cincinnati Bengals. Fun game to watch. Sin and I both picked the Raiders. Endo picked yeah. the Bengals. Endo, uh, Endo wins again with the Bengals. Um, <laughs> God. Up. God. Damn. Um, yeah, it was, it was a good game for the Raiders, but man, Joe Burrow's legit. I... I'm impressed by him. I was like, I don't know. What's he going to do in this high pressure situation? I mean, obviously he's done that before. I had a feeling that he would be fine, but you never know in an NFL setting. And well, we know now he was phenomenal. (laughs) Fair enough. The uh, Philadelphia Eagles fell to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, It was not a very pretty game, especially offensively for the Eagles. All three of us did correctly pick the Bucs to win so Sin, we uh, we didn't get shut out. Endo is literally three th- three for Endo three. He doesn't three even three. watch the fucking sport. <laughs> he literally just picked favorites, and so far, uh, yeah, Endo does have. Uh, you muted yourself. Oh, there, yeah, buddy. sorry about that. I was hitting the up arrow. Um, yeah, yeah. So far, Endo Endo is perfect. The San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, what I tell you, <laughs> I just love the Stephen A. Smith. That's the only reason I picked the Niners. I hate the fucking Niners. Dude, he was incredible. Cowboys must loot. I love Stephen so, A. Smith. So Stephen A. Smith Ugh. was incredible. It's the the salty tears of Skip Bayless are just, and he leans into it, and I respect him for of that. Course. Yeah, yeah. God, he he's a he he's loves a wizard. The villain. Yes. Yeah, he loves to be the villain. It's beautiful. I will say this featured arguably the dumbest play of the weekend and one of the dumbest plays of all time. Like I like what you get when you have McCarthy as your coach. <laughs> you would know as a Packers fan. <laughs> yes, I would. Dude, I I like Dak Prescott. He is a phenomenal player. I like the fact that in the past as well, he just openly said like, "Hey, I need time away from my mental health. I got a lot of stuff going on." Like I respect that. Yeah. It's not easy for you know a professional athlete, especially the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. To do that. However, the decision, regardless of who it was, uh, to run the ball due to a quarterback sneak with 14 seconds left and no timeouts, and then to have your quarterback hand the ball to the center and not the ref while the linemen are blocking the ref from spotting the ball when Dallas would have technically spotted the ball if they could have done it themselves three yards further down the field than they earned. Just a disaster absolute disaster from Dallas and uh, not to mention their fans throwing bottles at their players as they were leaving the field. Uh, I saw the stat that Dallas has, I believe, as many playoff wins as the Jacksonville Jaguars do since 1995. Yeah. Good on you, Dallas. America's team always fucking losing. There you go. (laughs) The Arizona Cardinals and the LA Rams. All three of us picked the Cardinals. 
I believe at one point in the game, Odell Beckham Jr. had more passing yards than Kyler Murray. Just brutalized. This was another one of those games where you're like, yeah, this wasn't this wasn't close. The Rams absolutely dominated. Matt Stafford gets his first playoff win, which is really cool. Uh, but our predictions were in the toilet on this one. <laughs> yeah. See, I should have went with my first initial meme reaction. Is I want the Cardinals to lose, so uh, Kyler Murray goes back to playing baseball for the A's. And uh, and that was like the most popular thing on Reddit that night. Is boy, do you think Kyler Murray regrets not playing baseball? <laughs> See, just gotta gotta trust the memes. Yeah. And then the final game, which brings our prediction tally to four out of six correct for Rendo, two out of six correct for Sin, and one out of six for yours truly. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Tom Brady really lets me down. Uh, the Buffalo Bills absolutely pooped on the New England Patriots. They did, dude. I felt just I felt really bad. Pooped on them. Like, my God. I saw your tweets and they just kept getting like more and more just <laughs> despot. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, God, they're done. Oh, God, they're really yeah. done. Oh, they're definitely done now. Okay, bye. <laughs> Oh, yeah. man. Uh, Buffalo, like, look, for me, heading into the season, Buffalo was the unanimous pick to win the division. And for the most part, everyone was picking the Dolphins to finish over the Patriots. You could debate, oh, were the Patriots actually ever a good team? They had a top five defense in the league. The problem is, down the stretch, that defense started to break a little bit. And offensively, some bright spots, but not a consistent enough bright spot with a rookie quarterback and only, what, the fifth rookie quarterback to start a playoff game since 2009. Whereas the Bills, at home, gigantic chip on their shoulder from nearly not winning this division. It was very close. I mean, the Bills played a literally a perfect game, just about. Josh Allen essentially had the greatest, and the Bills' offense in general basically had the greatest offensive performance in yeah. playoff history. And I get, like, again, for me, I have no ill will towards, like, Bills fans. I'm not salty at all. I mean, obviously, again, we've talked about Architect a lot. I was texting with him during the game, and even he, when it was, like, 21 to nothing, he's like, man, I don't trust it. They got Belichick. (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, like, the Bills were absolutely the better team. And my only real issue, uh, and there were some tweets out there, is that, some Bills fans had to take it upon themselves to play it up as if they were the underdog when they were never the underdog. It's weird. I'm sorry. Why? You... There was one tweet in particular that I will not name. Uh, quote, this isn't just for Buffalo. It's for every NFL fan that had to endure the media fawning over Belichick. We'll stop there. Fawning over the greatest head coach? You mean the media talks about the greatest head coach of all time? Often? That doesn't sound right. Hmm. That, does, that just doesn't sound right. I don't know why they do that. Um, media fawning over Belichick. Quote, the Patriot way. Yes, because it wasn't a proven method that the Patriots could do what other teams could not do by bringing on certain players, finding success with them, and then saying, okay, go get paid somewhere else. Whether it be bigger names like Jamie Collins who sucked outside of a Patriots uniform, comes to the Patriots, he's great again, and then kind of sucked again. Uh, Whether it be their ability to pull some schmuck off the street, Jonas Gray, to run for 7,000 yards against the Colts, he misses a practice, ah, get fucked, get out of here. 
The cheating. People are still holding on to this, this concept, huh? People are still holding on to this concept that there was just some grand cheating scheme that led to all these Super Bowls. The favorable refs. Patriots only won Super Bowls because of the refs. Clearly. How many favorable calls can you name for the Patriots, really? Outside of the tuck rule, which, again, is just general incompetence by the NFL that we complain about on a weekly basis, by the way, as football fans. The Boston Arrogance. Sure. (laughs) I would probably be arrogant if I went won like six Super Bowls in my life. Dude. (laughs) Again, I've talked about this all the time. My grandfather lived his entire life as a Red Sox fan. Never saw them win. His entire life. Never saw them win. The Patriots hadn't won. They made it to a Super Bowl or two, got spanked in both of them prior to 2001. Green Bay. (laughs) There was the Celtics, obviously. Up until the end of the 80s, and then they sucked until 2008 and still haven't won again. And then there was the Bruins, who, yes, you know, up to 72 had won some titles, but they were also kind of few and far between because of someone like Montreal. So for the most part, you're talking about a city that was consistently known for choking and not winning championships from like 1990 up until the Patriots win in 2001, and then... The Patriots win, like, another six fucking times. And then the Red Sox win four goddamn championships. The Celtics win a title. The Bruins win a title. I wish I could say the New England Revolution won a title, but they are still chokers. Uh, At the end of the day, the arrogance. What city isn't going to appear as arrogant when they win a single title, let alone multiple? Yes, there are numerous douchebags in every fan base, as we know. Those people are there whether or not their team wins or loses. (laughs) It's just a part of sports. So people like that that had to make this as something so much bigger than it was. And you're welcome, sports fans. This was for all of us, not just us Bills fans. Yeah. Fucking To say arrogance after that sounds a whole lot like projection when you need to build something up into what it wasn't to feel good. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, Yeah. Grats, Buffalo, you won when you should have. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, end of end of story. They won when they should have. I take absolutely nothing away from them. But pot, meat, kettle, when it comes to certain fans, in, in terms, especially using the term arrogance, yeah. I will say that. But it was a wonderful weekend of football, despite the, like I said, three or four blowouts in the six games. Uh, I am looking very much forward uh, to the to the next round. For now, we'll spare everybody who doesn't care about football. Because let's be honest, we have a large European audience. We have a large Canadian audience. I don't know how much people care, but hey, Sin and I, we care about football. Well, damn the Europeans it. are it's pissed we're calling it football. Right now, so they've been stewing the whole time. You <laughs> American hand egg. Yeah, the segment go. is over. Let's move on to talking some hockey. And as per usual, we're going to do our day-by-day method. We're going to flash back to last Friday, of course, in our last show, because it's just kind of easier uh, as, you know, we talk about these games to bring up some of the topics at hand instead of bouncing all over the place. So this past Friday, Florida Panthers beat the Dallas Stars 7-1. to I seemingly always start off this segment by mentioning that there was a blowout. I don't understand how, how especially, I mean, we're going to talk about the Panthers, uh, but 
the ridiculousness of these high-scoring games this season. It's unreal. Yeah. Anthony Duclair scored his 15th, which I know pains you. Yes. Carter Verhage's 11th, Huberto's 14th, and Sam Bennett scored a hat trick. He is up to 14 goals on the year now for the Panthers. In 39 games since joining the Panthers, he has 38 points with 21 goals and 17 assists. Uh, not that plus minus is the best stat in the world, but he's a plus 31. Has 93 hits, which is the most amongst uh, Florida forwards. Has a Corsi 4 at 5 on 5 of 59.69. And, uh, God, yeah, Jesus. Like, I don't even, uh, I don't even know. I don't even know, man. Like, for as much as we sat here and talked about, or maybe not even, like, I say we as kind of like the collective, right? The collective hockey world. Looking at the trade for Sam Bennett, which was, and I will remind you, uh, Sam Bennett and a sixth in exchange the Calgary Flames uh, picked up prospect Emil Heineman and a second. And a lot of people are like, what the hell is that? That is an overpayment on Sam Bennett. This yeah. is a guy who has only posted one 30-point season He was a fourth-line plug in Calgary. He was a guy I hated because he laid some big-ass hits. Some of them were very questionable, and he fought, and you just don't like the guy like that when you have to play him. And now he's a... He's, like, living up to his draft position in, in Florida now. It's, it's absolutely unreal. Former fourth overall pick in 2014... Oh, man, this guy's not going to make it. And it's funny because you look, it's like, oh, Ekblad, Reinhardt, Dreisaitl, all great. But then in that 2014 draft, it's Sam Bennett. Oh, man, he didn't pan out. Michael Dow Cole, same thing. Man, he didn't pan out for the Islanders. Uh, Jake Vertanen, who we don't talk about as much anymore, rightfully so. Uh, case in point, you look at that first round in the 2014 draft, some bigs, hits, and misses. Yeah. And, yeah, Bennett was definitely in that category of a miss. And like I said, 38 points in 39 games as a Florida Panther. I hope he can sustain. You know, I, I just just yeah. for him. I hope he can sustain it because I mean, there's a lot of you know flash in the pan type situations that happen, and you know this looks good. I just you know for Florida, you hope he can sustain it at least still be productive. But uh, yeah, they have an unreal team right now. Fifty goals Absolutely. in their last eight games. <laughs> Yeah, so that was the next stat line. Um, this might have been out of place in terms of what game I meant to post it after, but the Panthers uh, have had yeah an eight-game stretch where they have accumulated 50 goals, uh, which is the most in an eight-game span since the 95-96 Pittsburgh Penguins. And that's Lemieux and Yager. On that. Oh, yeah, that <laughs> roster. Uh, so that season... And Ron Francis, too, right? Oh, here, I got the stat line oh, for you. Oh, here we go. So the Panthers have done something. That, again, haven't been done since the Penguins in 95-96. On that Penguins roster, Mario Lemieux, 70 games played, 161 points. With 69 goals and 92 assists. He scored 69 goals in 70 games. Yaramir nice. Yager, full 82-game season, 100 and 49 points. <laughs> Ron Francis, 77 games, 119 points. Good God. Both he and Lemieux had 92 assists. Peter Nedved, 80 games played, 99 points. 
and then it drops with Thomas Sandstrom at 70 points in 58 games. What a scrub. <laughs> like, dude, <laughs> like, come on. This is ridiculous. And, you know, I, I did talk about it, you know, over the course of the past year. Of course, obviously, things with the podcast have changed, you know. Uh, but the one thing that has been consistent with this show, praise for Bill Zito. It is going to be a shame if that man does not win a GM of the Year award at some point based off of his first year or so tenure with the Panthers. He has made some incredible moves, and yes, he has inherited a pretty strong roster, but at the same time, he's added Sam Bennett. He's added Sam Reinhart. He's made some great moves to really bolster up that team. Did he sign Verhege, or was he oh, kind of there? Uh, did he sign Verhege? Let me see where Carter Verhege signed. Verhege, I always pronounce that shit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those names. Uh, let's see, Verhege signed with the Panthers on October 9th of 2020. Hmm. Bill Zito has been GM since September 2nd of 2020. Holy shit. <laughs> Unless I am mistaken on when that contract was signed, but that was, yeah, he, he did sign Carter Verhage. There was no previous contract. Wow. So, Bill Zito's legit. The Florida Panthers, needless to say, are absolutely legit because my, I mean, dude, they're, they're a wagon. Yeah. They are an absolute wagon. And they're one of the reasons as to why on uh, the r slash hockey subreddit there was that idea of is the Eastern Conference already kind of set in terms of what teams are going to make it? You look at the Atlantic Division. Florida and Tampa, both on 57 points. Toronto's on 51. Next highest team in the Atlantic is Boston on 56. And then Detroit in 41. The Bruins have a five-point lead on Detroit with five games at hand. It's, it's very unlikely that Detroit, who do have the best opportunity to make it out of the Atlantic, are going to be able to make up that ground. Yeah. And then in the Metro, the Rangers, 54 points, Canes on 52, Penguins on 51, Caps on 51. Next highest point total in the Metro, 35 for the Columbus Blue Jackets. East is, yeah, pretty... It's done. Yeah. It's absolutely done. Uh, unless Detroit can really pull something off here, or you have a team like Columbus, New Jersey, or Philadelphia that just go on this crazy run. Maybe the Islanders, because of the amount of games in hand they have, but even then their point percentage is actually less than Columbus's. The East is pretty much done, whereas the West is still... It's it's interesting, at the very least, I would say. Um, you know, there is... Outside of... I mean, i got to really be honest. Outside of Seattle and Arizona, uh, even a team like Chicago... Uh, they are currently eight points back of the Sharks, who currently occupy the second wildcard spot. There's obviously some Canadian teams that have a lot of games at hand because of the postponements that were there. The West is wide open. The East is locked down. And right now it does look like it's a two-horse race. Well, maybe not. I think you got to throw Carolina in, into the mix, maybe even Toronto. The East is done. It's just a matter of who's going to be that number one seed out of the conference, basically. But right yeah. now the Florida Panthers are the number one team in hockey, and rightfully so. Yeah. It's pretty ridiculous. They're just good. <laughs> yeah. It, <laughs> what else can you say? Good good time to be a, a fan in Florida, I guess. Yeah. The Minnesota Wild beat the Anaheim Ducks 7-3. to Again, these high-scoring games. Uh, for the Wild, Ryan Hartman uh, up to 16 goals now on the season, which is pretty ridiculous. Uh, Matt Zuccarello, two-goal game. He's up to 11. 
Uh, for the Ducks, non-All-Star, Trevor Zegers was able to hit uh, 10 goals on the year already. He better at least be in the skills competition. Like, for the love of God, have him oh, as like a non... Have him as a non-All-Star yeah. representative in the skills comp, please. I want to see who can land the most Michigans in five minutes between <laughs> him and like Andrei Svechnikov. Yeah. Like, goddamn. Uh, and as well... Uh, the Avalanche beat the Coyotes 4-3 in a shootout on Friday. Miko Rantanen up to 17 goals on the year. I'm going to mention him a lot more in this show. Burakovsky has 14 as well. He's been a great, great pickup for them. For the Oats, Clayton Keller up to 13 on the year. He's been on a real hot streak lately. Clayton Keller's really warmed up for that team, and the argument will always be with bad teams, and, oh, well, somebody's got to score. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Clayton Keller's had a pretty good year. We talked about the Panthers, though. Since starting the season at 4-5-1, the Avalanche, at that point, 23-2. Like, any... There should be no stock placed into how a team's going to perform for a season in the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, I, you often hear, oh, you know, 10 games kind of decides the season or whatever. Terry, you can look at 10 games and decide that's the season. I maybe, but it depends on where the 10 games are. I always think you got to go at least a quarter of the season through and you can kind of guess. And even then, I mean, remember the Blues in 2019 <laughs> basement to top. I prefer not to. I know. I know. I'm sorry. Um uh, but hey, I've always said if it wasn't if it wasn't the Bruins in the final, I, I would have been rooting for the Blues. Yeah. So it's okay. But I, I, what, I oof, <laughs> brutal. Fair enough. Oh, also, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, Kale McCarr landed a hit in this game. I didn't see the hit. Unreal, dude. If a- anybody, and I think literally here on Twitter, I'll type yeah, it out yeah. and just go McCarr Coyotes and see if that pops up so people know what to search. Uh, but Kale McCarr look it up. landed a hit in this game. The edge work for McCarr. Would you say elite edges led to that hit? I would. <laughs> I would. Um, and actually, here, you know what? I'm going to retweet it. So, Tukey24 on Twitter. Um, the edge work from Kale McCarr might be the best we have ever seen in the National Hockey League. Like, this kid is... Unreal. Like, the complete package. It's crazy. We mention him every show. I wish it was easier to watch Avs games because he is just... Like, he is... As much as, like... You remember the hype for Connor McDavid? Not that it's not still there, but, like, how every Oilers Oilers game felt like a must-watch event. Oh, yeah. Right now, every Avs game feels like a must-watch event. Yes. And it puts immense pressure on that team because, holy shit, should you guys win the Stanley Cup this year? Like... There are a lot of teams already in that category of like, Holy man, this is a failure if you don't win the cup this year. Oh, it was Antron Roussel. Oh, I'm, I'm even happier. He laid out Roussel. <laughs> Hell, dude. How? It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Like, he is absolutely incredible. I love that guy so much. That was just... It's like, you don't expect that. You see the guy make his pivot. You see him start to backskate. You're like, okay. He's not, and he just changes direction flawlessly. Amazing. In half a second flat, not even. Unbelievable. Speaking of unbelievable, on Saturday, the Boston Bruins beat the Nashville Predators 4-3 to in overtime. In one of the best games I have watched this season, 
Uh, and I said as much on Twitter. Like the Bruins have had some really intense games now against Minnesota, against Nashville. I wish there was a way to see a seven-game series between these two. Obviously, it would take the Stanley Cup final to do that. But some great, great games as of late. The Bruins have been on fire over the past couple of weeks. Uh, in this game, Brad Marchand scored his 20th of the year. Not an all-star, though. Uh, and for the Preds, Roman Yossi scored his 13th of the year. But the Preds, the Preds are legit, man. As much as we've questioned it. Um, that is the team that is performing, uh, you know, above the sum of their parts. Yeah. Like, that is just a team that, for as much as we're about to talk about Edmonton here in a, a couple of minutes, in terms of that locker room just not having the cohesion, there's always a team like Nashville that seemingly is able to put it together and perform above their actual skill level. So, uh, as well, uh, shout out tonight. Uh, the Bruins play the uh, Carolina Hurricanes. Willie O'Ree's number will be retired. Finally, finally, he should retire at league wide, but this is a start. So, a big shout out to Willie O'Ree. Uh, and speaking of the Canes as well, uh, a couple of games here, not too much to talk about. Uh, the Canes beat the Canucks 4-1. to uh, Sebastian Ajo, 16th of the year. Uh, the Caps shut out the New York Islanders. Uh, Vitek Vanacek with a shutout. Ovi scored his 25th of the year. Uh, the Islanders at that point down to 11, 13, and 6 on the season. Uh, this is the type of year for them where you just say, okay, we'll see you next year. Don't be dumb and fire Barry Trotz. Just chalk this up as a bad year. Don't overreact. Bad do years happen. First, yeah. I hope they have. Do they have their Ooh. first? Is a good question. Because they've been in win now mode for a bit. Kind of wonder if they've that up they do okay. they do fucking so good they have them. their first round pick <laughs> over the next three years they don't have that. their second but they do have colorado's second uh and they're only missing one third and that's next year that's so pretty decent man for, for gm yeah, of for the year you... gm of the year for keeping that first and having the foresight to fuck <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna win it too <laughs> little Amarillo, baby Unreal. Look, look at him win the fucking watch them. They'll win the lottery and they'll get oh, Lou Lamorello, Jeremy of the year. Unbelievable how he's able to do. Oh, God, though. Could you imagine Shane Wright and Barzal on this team that's so defensively focused? Like the idea of a Shane Wright Barzal one two punch up the middle while still having like JG Pajo as your third line center and Sezikis on the fourth. Like that's ungodly, mm -hmm. but. In a trot system, I mean, not that like Ovi couldn't flourish in a trot system. I mean, you know, the Caps' offense at times flourished, but that's uh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's an interesting way to look at it. The Florida Panthers beat the Columbus Blue Jackets on Saturday, nine to two, what which heck? again I believe contributed to the fifty goals yeah. over the last eight games thing. Uh, Verhage, two goals, up to 13 on the year. Duclair scored again. He has 16. Huberto has 15 goals. Bennett has 15. Lundell, who could very well be in that rookie race for that third spot, 8th and ninth on the year. The Panthers are 20-3 and three at home this season. They have scored five or more goals in 14 of those 23 games. Uh, I believe in this game as well was the one where they scored an even strength, a power play, and a shorthanded goal before the game was 10 minutes old. 
I hope the they Florida have Panthers. one of those things where they score a certain amount of goals in the game. Their fans get like tacos or food. Like like the Sharks <laughs> used to have four in the net pizza you get. Now if you score four goals, you get four tacos. <laughs> These motherfuckers are contributing to the obesity epidemic <laughs> in this country. Stop scoring goals and giving everyone free French fries. You're fucking it up, everybody. Blame the Florida Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, man. The Toronto Maple Leafs beat the uh, St. Louis Blues 6-5. What? No goaltending is necessary. Um, Timothy Lilligren scored his first. Matthews has 25 on the year. Ilya Mikheyev scored again. I don't know what's up with this, dude. Like, literally, as I drop my phone on the floor, it's great. Literally, as out of nowhere as this was, like, uh, randomly, you remember, like, Leafs fans like, oh, yeah, no, Ilya Mikheyev's great all of a sudden. And then, yeah, he just keeps scoring goals it it's ridiculous the blues are still looking good though they're 22 11 and 5 after this game two goals for ryan o'reilly he has eight on the year sod scored his 13th he's been a really good pickup for them as well lowell bennington goodness i just want to say that lowell bennington (laughs) he um is trash he really hasn't done himself any favors has he no probably he is one of the most hateable dudes (laughs) He's that type of player where if he plays for your team and you are winning, you love the attitude, the the charisma, because you can really rally around it. But he also bo- he also boxes himself into that situation, similar to like a Brad Marchand, where if someone gets the better of you, you look like an absolute clown. Yeah. It's a rough spot. It's an interesting me. spot to be in as a goaltender, too. See that too often. Oh God, Maybe back in like the goal. Belfort days, but like he was just fucking scary and just angry constantly. Like I guess, but Bennington isn't scary to me. It's just kind of funny to watch him get angry. <laughs> I remember when Belfort was on the Sharks, like someone crashed into his net, got like hung up on the crossbar. Belfort grabbed him, threw him onto the ice, jumped on top of him, and started pounding the guy. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> don't make goalies like that anymore. Uh, do they? Not no Billy Smiths, no Belfors. <laughs> God, last <laughs> you did have Tim Thomas a decade ago punching the Sedins in the face yeah. during the Cup final. That was about it. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings shut out the Buffalo Sabers four to nothing. Alex Nedeljkovic with the shutout. Uh, I know Carolina's great, but I still can't believe they're like, oh, this guy. Uh, Bertuzzi has 18 goals on the year. Fabry's 10th. Lucas Raymond his 11th. So the Wings at 17, 7 and 5. Like I said, it's looking unlikely that they'll make the playoffs this year unless they really go on a run. Uh, but still, this was never supposed to be really a playoff year for the Red Wings, right? Like, this was, hey, we got this young talent in the lineup. We acquired Nadelkovich for peanuts. The foundation is there, though, and that's what we're saying. Like, I have been quoted as in saying, the Red Wings will win a Stanley Cup in this decade. And I think the New York Rangers will as well. Like, at some point in the 2020s, I think both of those teams should win a cup or at the very least have made a cup final. Yeah. I can't really argue with that, and yeah, and it, I'm not really setting you up for great points see, here see, today. Am I? <laughs> no, it's fine. Seeing that Elkovich do is like what he's doing, it makes me a bit sad. Um, not that Hill has been necessarily horrible, but we we could have had Ned Elkovich for a bit cheaper, and he's doing slightly better. It sucks. Reimer is doing great. Reimer has been a fantastic addition, and it's great to have that one-two punch. But yeah. I'd love that second back, and I'd love Nedeljkovic for a third. <laughs> Fair enough. The Lightning beat the Stars 3-1. to one. 
Uh, Braden Point up to 15 goals on the year. He's gross. Kaloran's great, too. 12 on the year. Wanted to point this out, though, uh, for the Stars. Again, I mentioned they were kind of on the come-up recently, and I, I mentioned him as much as I can. Jason Robertson has now hit 82 games played in the NHL. He has 30 goals, 48 assists. I, I love Almost this kid. point game. Like, as that's insane. Like, yeah. Like, out of... Like, seemingly out of nowhere, too. I mean, I will say for Robertson, I mean, this was somebody... He was 39th overall in 2017. So, I mean, a relatively high draft pick. But how often do you look at, like, early... You know, early second rounders and say, like, yeah, okay. Well, you know, it's it's a little bit hit or miss at that point. Yeah. Oftentimes, you're like, oh, cool, we got a steal. And then you look back at, for example, that 2017 draft. And, you know, for your... Oh God, let's let's look at a great name here. Drafted around Jason Robertson. I mean, not too many great options. I mean, <laughs> you have Nick Hague for the Vegas Golden Knights, who's played over a hundred games. Yeah, there's uh, but usually there's great defensemen that appear in the second round. I, at least, well, good ones, very serviceable. Mario Ferraro went forty nine in that same draft. Vlasic yeah. was in the second round. Justin Braun, I believe, was second or third round. And I mean, not that he's great now, but like in their prime, like they're incredibly serviceable, very good. I mean, you mentioned Haig, who's I don't know. I don't watch Vegas. I try to avoid it, but I'm I'm guessing he's pretty serviceable <laughs> on that team and in that roster. But yeah, I mean it's yeah. honestly the second round seems to be very, very good for those kind of defensemen, like the kind of workhorse defensemen. They don't gonna put up a ton of points, but they can, you know, work well shutting things down or just be kind of like energy guys like Ferraro is in a lot of ways. And yeah, and but Robertson. Jeez. Yeah. Now, to stop the internet from yelling at you about Justin Braun, you were thinking of someone else. What was I thinking of? Justin Braun was the infamous seventh round pick. Oh, who the back hell was in I 07. Of? That's what I'm having to. Hold on. Let me see if we can find this. Shit. San Jose Sharks draft picks. I want to see if we can find. It's still even cooler. The, He's the seventh rounder, and he did what he did. There man. you go, right? All right. Let's see if we can find this infamous second round pick that Sin might have been thinking of. Oh, God. Oh, one Marcel Gotch. No second round pick. Matt Carl. Maybe. Uh, I'd have to guess it was Matt Carl. We we traded him for Boyle, which was awesome. (laughs) And Matt Carl then fell off the face of the earth. But But to your point, like Carl, second round. Vlasic, second round. You guys also drafted William Wren and Taylor Doherty in the second round. I remember Taylor Doherty. That man was tall as hell, and I was rooting for him, but he never panned out. He was, too. I got to watch him in the AHL quite a bit. Yeah, he was Um, on the Cuda for, well, I guess they were Worcester. The the Worcester Shocks for a long time. (laughs) Before that, it was the Cleveland Barons. Mm. God, you guys do have some miss. Man, the Sharks draft record is... uh, Shit! A lot it's, of it. it's interesting. Before, like, I, I don't know. Do we want to get into this? Because it is kind of interesting. It's going to be good now that Doug Wilson Jr. has taken over, but uh, Burke was not very great in the transition to the current game, where there's a lot of yeah. misses in there. Like, I often like to go back about five years. So, like, 2017, they obviously got Norris, traded him in the Carlson deal. But Ferraro's there. Scott Reedy's tearing up the AHL right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, not much else, though. Yeah. You know, Chemilevsky, Chekovic, that's that's about it. 2016, Dylan Gambrell, who's now a Sen. Mm-hmm. Noah Greger, eight games of Joachim Blickfeld. Like, that's Gregor's it. Greger's looking good. He He's going to, I would say, maybe middle six is his ceiling, and that's pretty big if if he he needs to figure out how to put the fucking puck in the net. He can shoot it, but it's, he's having just trouble putting it in the net. 
2015, some guy we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, Timo Meyer. Oh, wait, no, never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then Rudolph Balsers, but that leaves them with, I believe, seven or eight guys taken in 2015 that never saw the NHL, which is rough. And that's kind of a similar story. Like 2014, Nikolai Goldobin in the first round, not noted for being a shark. They took Kevin LeBanc in the sixth. 2013 was the Mirko Mueller draft. He was the only player of seven drafted for the Sharks that year that saw any NHL time whatsoever. Yeah. Like that's not great. It was it was it's that transition. Like it was Sean Burke, I th- think it's someone Burke. He was still I just felt like he just he he couldn't transition his mind to the new kind of direction that the NHL was going, and we just kept missing with all that stuff. And it was the thing, oh, we gotta get faster, we gotta get faster, and then we didn't really do that, or you drafted only for that and it just never really kind of worked out. But, I mean, we've had some good hits, too. Meyer is finally panning out. I mean, Brontanen is still probably better. Uh, Hurdle was an incredible steal, I feel like. and Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's not a fair. great record. But recently, I'm very, very excited. Ryan Merkley's looking really good. Um, I mean, he was always going to be high-skilled, but the mentality stuff is there. Like, he's pl- working hard on defense. He has zero behavioral issues, and... He's looked good in the NHL when he's been there, surprising the hell out of me. I didn't like his effort in preseason, but it's also preseason. <laughs> so when he was in the NHL, he was working his ass off. So I was like, okay. Um, who else? Oh, Eklund is obviously an incredible steal. And again, and you can even argue that maybe that's just because teams were stupid to pass on him, but still. Hmm. That's going to be one of my more uh, interesting first rounds to look back on a little bit down the road. This one that just happened? Yeah. Yeah. Boldy's sure. interesting. If Boldy kind of doesn't pan out, I mean, I feel like he should, but. I think he has two or three goals already for the Wild. Never forget, he scored his first in Boston. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, I'm, who the, I'm not. Sorry, not bold. Good God. Who's the guy who just went second overall after? Oh, after Power? Yeah, why did I say Boldy? It's. Oh, uh, Maddie Beneers for Seattle. Thank you. I don't know why. The other, the other, the other B. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Beneers. Yeah. Good old Beneers. Because uh, according to the Sharks, they had Eklund as number two on their board. I don't know who was in front. I'm assuming Beneers since we Power. needed four. Yeah, but I don't know. <laughs> they could have had Beneers there since we really wanted forwards and centers. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, also, on Saturday, to round this out, the Rangers beat the Flyers 3-2. to two. The Flyers down to 13-17-7 on the year. Just, ugh. <laughs> um, shout out to Kreider, who scored his 24th of the year. Uh, Cam York, though, for the Flyers, scored his, I believe, first NHL goal. He's going to be a stud. Related to sure. other York of the NHL? Uh, I'll have to look it up because there was Mike York, there was Jason York. Yeah, there was a few. Also wanted to mention one of the headlines, too, for the Rangers. Anthony Greco, I believe, played in that game. Uh, and that was really hyped up as well. You know, the son of um, a, a 9-11 first responder um, grew up as a Rangers fan, so that was a really cool Isn't story. is the ultimate fast boy, too? Is yes, Anthony Greco yeah, is yeah, yeah. the AHL fast boy yeah. that uh, never gets like rated as such. At, in, had in like NHL. 85 speed in the AHL, and I'm God. begging EA, like, bump it up. And then they bumped it up to an 88, and I'm like, fucking give up. Yeah. Um, Cam York, actually not related to any of the yeah. former Yorks. I do want to get From Anaheim, weird, though, so terrible. Since Just you did terrible. mention the uh, 9-11 first responder, shout out to John Stewart, who still, still mm. has been fighting for the 9-11 first responder. Fair enough. I, I I will always take as out of left field as that was in a sense. I will always yeah. uh, I will always make room for someone praising John Stewart on the show. Absolutely. 
Damn good guy, that John Stewart. Also, cost John Cena a match once by hitting him in the head with a chair. <laughs> what? <laughs> Maybe hit him in the head. So, like, I haven't been a WWE fan in a while. I, I can't watch or support their company without uh, feeling incredibly dirty about it because they are incredibly scummy. Uh, that said, I know the Royal Rumble's in January, and it's very tough to not watch the Royal Rumble. Even if you're not a wrestling fan, it can be a fun thing to watch. Um, yeah, it was at a SummerSlam in, like, 2015 or 16. And uh, John Cena lost a match because John Stewart hit him with a chair. <laughs> what a sense. I don't know how anyone can't love wrestling. It's the dumbest thing on earth. Yeah. It's the best. Like, the best dumb, though. It's it's incredible. It is. I, I might have to get back into it simply because of Danhausen, just because I absolutely love him to death. I, and I've just seen that clip of him popping out from the curtain of the ring and <laughs> the ducking as the guy tries to kick him and he falls on his ass like what the hell it's so stupid it's, but wrestling's perfect. the best man it's Ugh. the best and i will always i will always talk it up because no matter what you're into like if you're into comedy some of the funniest people on earth are wrestlers yeah like 100 Jay Lethal, dude like his rick uh rick flair the rick flair promo that yeah. promo was so good what the hell just back and forth like dog like, woo <laughs> so, like, my girlfriend has never watched wrestling before she met me. But even now, like, if it's a Wednesday and AEW Dynamite's on and we're not watching anything else, I'm like, hey, do you mind if I put wrestling on? Sure, whatever, go ahead. And she'll pay attention to some stuff. But in particular, it's when one Mr. MJF comes onto the screen and said, I, re I recommend you check him out because literally he is the personification of just being a douchebag. And it's it's the greatest um, to the point where she just gets such a kick out of the idea of how fun it would be to be in the ring and just look at people and be like, you're fat, your city sucks, your women are ugly, <laughs> fuck all of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the best, dude. It's the best. Yeah. I'm telling you. It is the best. Uh, we'll get back into talking about hockey, but hey, eventually I will continue to morph this into my hockey, football, wrestling me podcast my take at the end of the day um oh god we're almost to that big talking point oh, soon yeah. this will be a fun one I can't wait. um to finish up saturday chicago shutout anaheim three to nothing mark andre Fleury, another shutout hall of famer in the future mm -hmm. um colorado pooped on arizona uh five to nothing <laughs> this was actually where the uh i believe the um the hit was with mccarr yeah uh but kemper gets a shutout in his return mckinnon scored two goals he's up to eight of course that's we're missing a lot of time ranting in two goals to move him up to 19 on the year cadre's 14th pure domination and the la kings beat the seattle kraken three to two Shout out to Adrian Kempe. All-star Adrian Kempe, as I have to point out for Mr. Twitch.tv forward slash Crash Andrews. Uh, Philip Deneau, also up to nine goals on the year after a two-goal game. So, good for the guy who was apparently not a goal scorer whatsoever with Montreal, of course. And that brings us to the, uh, well, actually, here, we'll mention the, the other game that happened on Saturday. The Penguins beat the Sharks 2-1 to one in overtime. Ugh. Jake Gensel's 19th of the year. I don't know it, if you want to hey. mention that, because... Uh, yeah, that was a game where the Sharks should have. Uh, they they just were all over the pens. And, of course, it was Louis fucking Domingue who denied them. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, yeah, I think it was Domingue in that, that game. And just they 
it was just one of those games. And of course, it's it was even worse. Right as overtime starts, Randy, huh? Oh, yeah. Sharks are six and zero in overtime. Motherfucker, you had to say <laughs> something. Jake Gensel puts him away. It it was just a frustrating game because it, the Sharks deserved to win in the sense that they outplayed yeah. them, but they didn't score, so they didn't win. Plain and simple. Points nice, but yeah, you got to win that game. So I wanted you to be able to bring that up because the main event of Saturday, while Mm -hmm. maybe not in terms of the final game to be tallied, was certainly this. The Ottawa Senators beat the Edmonton Oilers 6-4. We've talked about the Sens being a tough team to beat. Josh Norris, two goals. He has 16 on the year. The highlight doesn't come from Saturday. The highlight comes from today, Tuesday the 18th. Leon Dreisaitl, in a press conference, being asked questions, of course, and he gets asked a question by, I do believe, Hockey Hall of Famer reporter Jim Matheson, who essentially asks him, why do the Oilers suck? Blame somebody, Leon. Mm-hmm. Throw the blame out there. And Leon just doesn't really respond. We all need to be better. And Jim Matheson responds with a line that'll be made on t-shirts There will be bumper stickers, NFTs. Why are you so pissy, Jim Matheson? (laughs) This is a day after he tweeted this. During this awful 14-game Oilers run with six points, they haven't gotten mad enough. It's like they magically think it'll turn around because they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl. Sorry, time to get mad as an entire team at your lot in life after the 9-1 and then 6-5 starts. Of course, in response to this, you have a lot of old hockey men defending uh, Jim Matheson. Uh, and then basically everybody else, including the players, are siding with Leon Dreisaitl. Surprise, um, surprise. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes I saw in response, I think it was on Reddit, it might have been on Twitter, uh, somebody mentioned, uh, the NHL media are the biggest bunch of piss babies in sports. Asked a crappy question, then filled his diaper when he got a crappy answer. <laughs> brilliant. It, that's brilliant. That, that literally sums it up, but yeah. First of all, Jim Matheson, Hockey Hall of Famer, is literally a Hall of Famer because he existed in the 80s when the Oilers were dominant. Like, that's it. The guy sucks. He's a fucking clown. All he does is ask his management so he can keep getting, like, access and crap. Like, look at how they ask ask questions of players and then follow up on those questions, most importantly, like, why are you being pissy? And look at management. They just toss them softball after softball after softball. And it's it's mm. everyone notices all, all all the people I follow on Twitter who are Edmonton fans. They notice it's it's gross. Like, what is why is it up to the players? Why it's it's so weird. Like, why do you want Dreisaitl to fix this team? It's his fucking job to play hockey to the best of his ability. It's not his job to sign players. It's not his job to manage the cap. I, I don't get it. Jim Matheson is a, is a clown, plain and simple. I mean, you ask a question with a bit of attitude and then get incredibly salty Mm -hmm. when someone responds with a little bit of attitude back. And maybe uh, they don't respond in a way that allows you to get the headline that you want to get to continue to garner clicks and you throw a pissy fit over it. It's just embarrassing. Like, it literally... It's it's embarrassing. It is. That that is my response. And it's not embarrassing for Leon Dreisaitl. I don't understand 
how it's gotten to this point that the Canadian media, seemingly with every team, uh, maybe of course more so with the teams that currently have you know winning aspirations, maybe you could throw the Sens in there as well because of everything that's gone on with Eugene Melnick. I just don't understand how the situation has gotten so contentious. Is it just that there's so much competition for eyeballs in a media sense? I have a feeling it is that, that anybody that covers sports are just so desperate to garner these clicks. I, yes, I, there's, I, if you're done with your point, I have a large yeah. answer about that. And it kind of, it, it's, it, it, it kind of tackles media as a whole in the current online markets. There is essentially a duopoly of Facebook and Google, which kind of own all of the eyes, as you kind of mentioned. So if you look at these companies, I remember on like five, 10 years ago on Facebook, you'd have all the ranker, all these other companies that you'd always see have articles out and you'd be clicking on them because there's weird lists. The only way really people can get attention on themselves because of this Google Facebook duopoly is to harvest hate clicks. So you'll see, mm. here's why your favorite movie sucks. Um, Jim Matheson, I'm trying to create controversy so he can get eyes on me because he's going to get paid by that. Like it's, it's, it's kind of become a self fulfilling prophecy because like these, you know, these kind of massive companies are swallowing up all of the sort of the market for it. It's, it's not oversaturation so much as it's just like, it's so kind of, you have to, you basically have to look for negativity to get, to be able to get your click. It's, you have to create some kind of stir and that's unfortunate because I think that takes yeah. away from journalism and that takes away from real reporting. And we get situations like this. That's just it's absolutely childish for Matheson. I don't care for the reason he's doing it. It's it's like he's like 72 years old. Yeah. Like, why are you being <laughs> pissy with me? That just confirms that man has never spoken to a woman in his life. Like, <laughs> like how do you ask someone why are you being pissy with me? Like, why are you doing like what? What, what do you get out of it? Like, dude. I mean, I think it can be kind of summed up in this way, and I think it's kind of the same thing for McDavid. And as we saw with, like, the, oh, what do you think, Connor, about the idea of Evander Kane? And it's like, what the hell is he supposed to say? Um, Adam Herman, at Adam, the uh, letter Z and Herman, he writes for Bleacher Report, mentioned this. I think Leon is probably pissy because he's second in the NHL in points over the last three seasons and has to be accountable to a media group that blames him for Ken Holland's bad team building. Yeah. Because, like you said, these reporters are so entrenched in the idea of being hype men for this management group and this ownership group so that they continue to get this access. It's it's just brutal. And like I said, the only people that you really see defending him are guys who are viewed in the same light as Jim Matheson, someone like a Steve Simmons, for example, who has had his fair share Mark of these type of controversies. It's just brutal, man. Yeah, yeah. It's here's the thing. I understand as a journalist, you need to ask the hard hitting questions. That's not a hard hitting question. That's again, mm. you just trying to start shit because you want a headline. You're you you're the player's not giving you the answer you want. Guess what? Make a better question. Seriously, like that's your job as a reporter. It's it's not his fault that your question kind of sucked. Hey, what's wrong with this team? And he's you know it's a leading question too. Like he said, trying to like place blame on something. What's going wrong? He said everything's going wrong. Kind of looks like that's the case in Edmonton. What is going right for them right now? Nothing. They keep skidding. Nothing's quite going right. So if you want better answer, if you want a headline, try to concoct a better question and not a question to get an answer you want. 
a question that will make the player answer with what they're actually feeling. And that could be your, I don't know. It's, <laughs> that should be your Yeah, headline. I mean, I, I think a more, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say talented because it's not as if the guy is completely void of, of talent, but a more engaged reporter into what they're doing and not just looking for softballs, like mm-hmm. you said, would be able to phrase a question that will essentially get that truthful answer that you're looking for without having to pry for it. Yeah. Without having to try to frustrate the guy into lashing out at you. Yeah, it's weird. Like, it's almost like the paparazzi. They become the paparazzi. We're like, in your face taking pictures, and then, oh, don't touch me. I'll sue you. Oh, yeah. <gasps> Britney I'm... Spears almost hit me with an umbrella because I was in her face taking pictures. What? She's crazy. Yep. That's... Read my read my column. Like, yeah. No, I, I, I honestly think you're right. It's gotten so much closer to this point of... Essentially, like, yeah, like paparazzi style, quote unquote, reporting, which is probably why when someone like Rick Westhead actually puts out proper journalism or Katie Strang, it's like this breath of fresh air to be like, what proper journalism in the hockey world? Yeah. What is this? And they deserve so much more following and so much more praise because they're, you know, tackling those big issues. They get a lot of hate for it and probably not deserve because they're just doing their job. That's real journalism. Like, doing your job, you get hate for doing your job because people don't want to hear the things you're reporting on. That's what part of it is. That's simply what it is. You you tell the truth whether or not, you know, it's it's ugly or not, and, and not try to have, ha- have an answer that you want to hear and try to formulate your questions to get that or have an idea that you want for an article. It's It's completely backwards now. It's almost like... To kind of draw a parallel, it's it's almost like the, the police work surrounding drugs. Instead of a crime is committed, you find the suspect. Oftentimes, they'll find a suspect, try to trick him into committing a crime, and to then be able to find higher-ups in the, in the drug chain. It's backwards. Mm. And that's not how journalism works. That's not how police work works. It's, you know, it's not, not, not the way you want to see journalism go. So thank you, Jim Matheson, for helping... Uh really kind of put a black mark on and taint what we look at as a, you know, a form of escapism following hockey and making us have to have this conversation over your petty unprofessionalism. Thank you very much, sir. God, Edmonton, it's just... When when does it stop? I feel bad for When them. does it stop? Because it's that same thing. Like, I, I you know, I hate to kind of stoke this up because I think that was kind of a good way to wrap it up, but it's that same idea that Leafs fans have mentioned. The idea of if and when they win a Stanley Cup, there will immediately be articles about why they're not going to win again next year. Like So it doesn't even stop. If the Oilers win, it's how they could have won more convincingly. Why they won't win in the future, and they're one and done. And that's and it goes, I guess it goes to your point, right? The idea of just, we live in a, a culture and society now where negativity just goes for it. Mm-hmm. It's either people who will agree. It, it's... It's sad that it's become the most uh, kind of the way, well, just the most consumed form of media because you're, it, because like you said, it, it is so saturated. There's so much kind of out there and from bigger locations that, yeah, you have to sort of get this thing. You have to tackle all the markets. So you're going to get the people coming in agreeing with you who want to feel, you know, um, confirmed in their biases. And then you're going to get the other people who are pissed and like, what the hell is this guy writing about? Hold on here and get the click and. There you go. You just doubled your market with being a dick. The problem is stuff like this, too. It's like you almost come off as as disingenuous or ignoring an issue if you don't at least mention this, right? Like, 
How, how do you not talk about the NHL right now and not talk about the fact that this incident happened? You know? And the fact that it almost continues to happen, especially with the Edmonton Oilers. It's just... Yep. Uh, unfortunately, not everything can be uh, sunshine and rainbows, as we've talked about, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of hockey, especially this season. My God, no wonder why it feels like this season's already lasted the length of three. Sunday, there was only one game. The Vancouver Canucks beat the Washington Capitals 4-2. to Two-point game for Elias Pettersson. Alex Ovechkin scored his 26th goal of the year. And with that has officially surpassed Wayne Gretzky in goal totals for the eighth consecutive year. What we mean by that is if you look at the seasons matched up by their age, uh, the comparisons were made. How many goals did Gretzky score at that age? How many goals has Ovi scored at that age? So, for example, uh, when they were both 21, uh, Gretzky had scored uh, up to that point uh, 46 more goals yeah. uh, than Ovi at that stage. Um, and, and really looking up until the last negative year was age 28, where at the age of 28, Wayne Gretzky had only scored three more goals in the NHL than Alex Ovechkin had by age 28. So now age 29 to 36, if I'm not mistaken, Ovi has been on a better pace than Gretzky at the same age. It just sucks that we were robbed of more Ovechkin hockey due to lockouts and COVID and everything else. Because, damn, like, where where could he have been? But especially right now, it's an insane pace that he's on. And please continue it. I, I just want to see that broken. I think that is the problem, too. Like, you kind of mentioned, like, those numbers are a little bit more one-sided because of yeah. certain lockouts and time missed. And it... Oh, it, it sucks. But there is still obviously a great chance that Ovi... Um, that Ovi does make this happen still. And obviously, I think that we're all hoping that it, it does happen. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, oh, also as well, Ovi um, now leads the NHL in goals with 26 on the season. <laughs> uh, and is tied for the NHL leading points with Leon Dreisaitl. Both have 54 points. It's not even February. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Just how good Alex Ovechkin still is. We are not surprising anybody with that statement. And we'll move on to Monday. A couple of games to talk about here as well. Uh, the Red Wings beat the Buffalo Sabres 3-2. to two. Uh, Shout out to Dylan Larkin. Two goals. Uh, he's up to 18 on the year. He's having a really good year. Again, the core is intact for the Red Wings. Uh, and Jeff Skinner up to 14 goals on the year now for the Sabres. Who is, he's bouncing back. You know, that contract is still... Uh, Terrible. A boat anchor. Yeah. <laughs> Which... <laughs> hey, they don't have Eichel anymore, so... <laughs> Give him the C. They didn't. They didn't name a new captain, did they? And they probably won't. Yeah. I don't, what? For they gave it to season or something. Well, see, like Kyle Pozo is the guy to think of, right? Yeah. And again, we've talked about Pozo this season. Like, I'm really happy for the guy. Like, he's managed to stay healthy this year, and he's doing well. But talking about like who the next captain of that team is, it's like, do you go with another young guy like Rasmus Dahlin, kind of like you did with Eichel, Wouldn't or do you name? Old man captain like Kyle Okpozo, Jeff Skinner, um, <laughs> Cody Eakin, and it's a lovely orange mullet. Like, <laughs> yeah, like I, I would give it to someone like Okpozo for a few years and let like the, te- the let the young guys develop without that extra pressure. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I feel like the young captaincy has a hell of a lot of pressure to to some people. 
and yeah. As well, Colorado beat Minnesota four to three in a shootout. Some interesting moments in this game. Now, Rantanen did score his twentieth of the year. Uh, shout out to Alex Newhook as well, who has eight on the year. He's been great. Um, Kirill Kaprizov, two goals for Minnesota, fifteenth and sixteenth on the year. But this was kind of highlighted by more poor officiating, which, surprise, surprise, uh, Jordan Greenway, whether intentionally or not, did end up essentially headshotting Darcy Kemper. Uh, Kemper did not return to the game. Greenway only got two minutes, I believe, for goalie interference. As well, Nathan McKinnon cross-checked Ryan Hartman away from the play. There was no call on that either. The Greenway thing, it's still my opinion. It doesn't matter if you intended to headshot somebody or not. You headshotted him. Yeah. You're responsible for your body. At the end of the day, I don't understand how there's at least not a game suspension. But on the same hand, it's the DOPS, and they are completely inept. Yeah. Yeah, and the whole McKinnon cross-checking someone away from the play. like It's just so weird when they decide, like, how, like, oh, this is game management to not call something in that situation. Oh, just let them play it out. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, oh, my God. It just seems like that can make it worse. Like, you don't punish anyone for that. Like, okay, well, anything goes. It just gets worse from there. I, I don't understand the philosophy of game management from these refs. It's it's very, very weird. Do you remember at the start of the year when they were actually cracking down on cross-checking? And I then do. they just completely stopped doing that? And they just stopped. Like, hey, look, we're doing stuff. And never mind. No, we're not. Oh, just absolutely brutal. I feel like the, that kind of happened after the first initial lockout where, like, they really cracked down on interference for a while. That maybe tapered uh-huh. off a bit. But, I mean, even now, like, there's sometimes when someone chips it into the zone, they try to skate past someone, that person's shoving the shit out of them. I'm like, isn't that technically by the rulebook interference now? I don't know. Who knows? Uh-huh. Anyway, but. I'm going to go a little bit. I'm going to go a little bit out of order on a sheet here because there is one thing we should save for the main event of the show. So a couple other games are really not too much notable happened. The Kraken did beat the Chicago Blackhawks 3-2 uh, to in a shootout. The Kraken 11-23-4. Kind of rough to see that team be as bad as we all thought the Vegas Golden Knights would be in their first season. Yeah. Like, to the wait a few years for an expansion team to be that bad. Shout out to Ryan Donato, though, former Bruin and Sharks legend who has nine goals on the year. Um, and Brandon Hagel for the Hawks up to ten. He's he got had a all bit those nine goals season. in a ten game span. <laughs> and then never scored again. Yep. <laughs> uh, the Islanders beat the Flyers four to one. Only reason I, I think this is notable is just again two teams that should be playoff teams that are just not going to be playoff teams. The St. Louis Blues uh, beat Nashville five to three. Ivan Barbashev two goals, fifteen on the year. Braden Shen with two goals, only seven on the year. Um, let's, let's play about how many assists everyone's, uh, everyone's favorite home game, uh, because Braden Shen, Sin, do you recall what Braden Shen's contract is? I don't. Okay. Well, he has seven goals, nine assists for 16 points in 23 games. He is making 6.5 million against the cap until 2028. Mm-hmm. Why though? <laughs> but why? <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> Yeah, he also has a full no trade clause for another three seasons after. This. At least he's doing good this year. Hmm. Why was he signed to that, and where was he signed to that? Oh, in St. Louis, October of uh, 2019, he signed an eight-year deal. Yeah, I don't even remember him. Yeah, and as part of that cup run, really. <laughs> he, yeah, well, remember he was the one that got. Uh, 
absolutely destroyed, if I'm not mistaken. Well, no, did you see the one that got destroyed by Krug? All I remember from the 2019 Cup run is that um, no, for as was... much as Blues fans complained about uh, Tory Krug's hit, Braden Shen literally launched himself into the air on at least three occasions, yeah. oh, headhunting players. Right. But the Bruins are a dirty team, mind you. No, yeah. Like, uh, that's the thing, It was right? Robert like, Thomas Blues... that, that Krug destroyed. Because then they made the tweet when, I think it was Robert Thomas, because Robert did that stepbrothers tweet. Did we just become best friends when Krug signed? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I will say, Blues fans, it's water under the bridge. At the same time, Fuck you. at least at least embrace what you are. Yeah. Embrace what you are. Like, for a Bruins fan, I can say, yes, Marshawn can be a rat piece of shit on the ice. But my God, there was some pearl clutching from some Blues fans. Meanwhile, their team is coached by one of the biggest goons in NHL history and Craig Berube. They have some heavy hitters in that they series. They literally Braden injured head-hunting. multiple sharks during their our series and headshotted them and weren't punished for it. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Calm down. Just the, the pearl clutching was one of the things yeah. that always got me. Like, just just be honest about how that team played. It worked for them. They won a cup. They had, again, one of the biggest goons in NHL history whine about the refs, and it worked. But just still be honest about what happened in that series, please. Yeah, that, Thank that you. That always shocks me that it, it um, what's his name with Vegas? Gallant. We used to do that constantly. And then the next game, mm. they'd get all kinds of calls. I'm like, why does this Smart work? Move. I don't I, mm-hmm. I don't understand. I'm like, do it if it works. It, it pisses me off, but it fucking works. And it's ugh, weird. Oh, it's frustrating. Yeah, it's frustrating. Although it, sure. it only does seem to work with like certain teams. I've noticed. Like other like if Florida's coach were to do it, probably nothing would happen. <laughs> it's like these teams that are in kind of bigger markets that always seem to get. It's interesting. Anyway, yeah, funny how that works. Yeah, crazy. Uh, also. Um, for Nashville, wanted to mention like Ryan Johansson having a decent comeback season. He's got 11 goals on the year. Philip Forsberg with 19. Still waiting to see what Nashville does with him. Uh, but Chris Pronger's number was retired by the St. Louis Blues uh, as a tribute to Brett Hawley down to beer. As it was the man. <laughs> I'm just gonna say this: Chris Pronger doesn't look like a former hockey player whatsoever. He looks like the CFO of a Silicon Valley tech company. <laughs> He's got the haircut. He had glasses on. He's in a suit. <laughs> he really does, he though. Does. If you go and look at pictures of Pronger on the day. He does. He's Oh, God. Also, if I'm not mistaken, was it his two sons that were there? And they're both, like, as tall as their dad? It's like, are they hockey players? <laughs> because I'm surprised if they're not. It's ridiculous, but... Yeah, it was a hell of a look from Pronger yeah. on that particular day. And uh, again, to Blues fans, Pronger, Al McInnes. Like, the Blues have always pretty much played that super physical mm-hmm. side of hockey. I never understood the pearl clutching after that 2019 Cup Final. Yeah. Like, that's that's the style they played. It is what it is. But regardless, good for Chris Pronger. And Reeves um, for a minute, too. I mean, come on. Yeah. God, what was that? Hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I got to look this up again because Ryan Reeves was involved in some interesting trades. I will say, though, just about Chris Bronger, one of the best defensemen of all time. And we can leave it at that because yes. otherwise it would just be repeating ourselves. Chris Pronger was an incredible defenseman. Whew, okay. So Ryan Reeves on the Blues, drafted by the Blues, fifth round in 2005. That's how long he's been around. He was traded along with a second-round pick to Pittsburgh for Oscar Sundquist and a first. That's right. He was involved in a pick or a trade that involved a first-round mm-hmm. pick with Pittsburgh. And then Pittsburgh and did Pittsburgh, nothing with him. Yeah, Pittsburgh, less than a year later, sent him and a fourth to the Golden Knights for Derek Broussard, who I think they immediately they kept him for like the rest of the year, and then that was it. 
Ryan Reeves has a really interesting trade history is what we're trying to say. The Pittsburgh Penguins, speaking of them, they beat the Golden Knights 5-3. to three. Two goals for Zucker. He's up to six on the year, which is kind of low. Jake Gensel scored his 20th. Shout out to Chandler Stevenson with his 11th for the Knights. But Jake Gensel, with that 20th goal, joined Alex Ovechkin, Austin Matthews, Brad Marchand, Kyle Connor, and Leon Dreisaitl as the only players to have five 20-plus goal seasons since the beginning of 17-18. You don't hear about him in, in the, with those other names. You don't even consider him with those other names. Kyle because Connor he's overshadowed even... by Crosby, and people yeah. assume it's only because of Crosby yeah. or Malkin, which is completely unfair. I think so, too. Yeah, it's he's a very, very good. That he's another second rounder, isn't? It? I feel like he was drafted. Uh, I can second. look that up. What was the what was the thing that you had mentioned just before about what? Um, yeah, uh, you asked a question. I didn't hear it. Did I? In regards to Gensel, <laughs> did I? <laughs> in regards to uh, who? all right. Well, for the record, Gensel is a third round pick in 2013. Crazy, which is ridiculous. But yeah, he has 38 points in 32 games this year. Uh, only a six million against the cap until 2024. He's unbelievable. Pretty good. He's unbelievable. And I mean, in total, he's not, well, he's, he's a bit far off, but 331 games, 295 points. Like, it's a damn good player, man. It's really good. It's a damn good player. Yeah. Two more big talking points oh, wait, to end well, the show, before, and we'll start off here. Before we finish up that game, uh, Knights blew a 3 nothing lead. I was hoping you'd mention it. I have to. <laughs> good. Lol, absolute lol. Knights are the new chokers in the NHL. Simply are. I'm not going to hear anything else. How many three-one series uh, leads have they blown? Not to say that they lost every one of those series, but a fair amount of them have. How many three-zero leads have they blown? Suck it, Vegas. You guys have taken the choking mantle away from us. You must now own it and sink into irrelevancy. Hopefully, in the next few years, when all your contracts bite you in the ass. It's just something about a Pacific Division team that always has to have that label of like, God, oh, they choke in the playoffs. <laughs> it was the Sharks for a long time. It's yeah. Now it's now it's Vegas' oh, turn because holy crap. The Arizona Coyotes beat the Montreal Canadiens five to two last night. Coyotes now nine twenty four and four. Imagine that nine wins for the Coyotes. Mm. The Habs are seven twenty five and five. Yeah, did you catch the highlights? It was uh, that footage from Texas of that porta potty being thrown up into the air and spewing piss all over the place. That was that game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, what a shout out for the for the Coyotes. My god. Uh, Johan Larson's been good recently. We'll shout him out. He scored his fifth of the year. Uh, Giannis Moser. Third goal of the season in just 10 games. Uh, people are already saying somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but the next Roman Yossi. Um, which, hey, I mean, Arizona could certainly use. Uh, and Clayton Keller scored again, his 14th of the year. The big takeaway from this was this game started at like 4 p.m. Eastern, I think. There were a ton of empty seats. Oh, yeah. Now, on Twitter, and no disrespect to Alan Walsh, um... But a lot of people, including Walsh, were really leading the charge of like, boy, yeah, it sure is a good thing that Arizona's been kept around. Good job, Gary. Really fighting for him. At the at the same side of things, like I'm not going to sit here and say obviously it's it's worked out in you know a tremendous way for the have you know for the Coyotes to be kept around this long. At the same side, though, uh, or on the other side, boy, I wonder why nobody wanted to watch the two worst teams in the NHL. Yeah. On a holiday Monday. 
Yeah. Like, I would have a tough time being like, yeah, I'll go to that. Like, for example, good friend of the show, Mr. Deekslayer, twitch.tv forward slash Deekslayer. He could have gone to the game. Did he? No. <laughs> He's like, I could have got in for like 10 or 20 bucks. Did he go? No, he didn't. Why would you? Nobody wants to watch that, and that is the point. It's not that people don't want to watch the Coyotes in general. It is that people do not want to watch an incredibly shitty team. The Coyotes, I remember we played the, they played the Sharks a couple times in the playoffs. They were into it. I mean, they had a whiteout, and like everyone's wearing mm -hmm. white. The stadium was packed. Guess what? Exactly. Good teams get attendance. Exactly. That's Unless you're the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> people still won't show up to watch them, no matter how good they are. Well, you, you look back at some of those Coyotes playoff runs, whether it was the, when they first got there in the early, uh, you know, the mid to late 90s, mm -hmm. whether it was the conference final run in 2012, where they fell short to the eventual cup winner Kings. This is a this is a franchise that's only made the conference finals once. Yeah. But at the same time, like, that's not because of the fans. It's because management and it's been brutal. You look at those, you look at those highlights, you look at the pictures, you look at the video that place is packed when that team is in the conference final. Yeah. They have the whiteout thing going on to piss off Winnipeg fans. Like, that is a tremendous fan base that has gotten nothing. They have been starved and constantly threatened with the idea of this team moving. The arena is in a horrible location, given the circumstances of the geography of that region. It's it's just brutal. It's just brutal, and I'm I'm so like on behalf of Coyotes fans, I'm just so sick and tired of this conversation coming up. Like, oh, here you go move them already. Like, people show up if that team isn't hot garbage. Yeah. End of. There aren't too many teams in the league Give, I, I would that are going to have that attendance when the team is off. I would say in two but, years when their draft picks start to kind of start cracking the roster, you're going to see that attendance spike because they're going to have some exciting talent with all the freaking picks they have in the next couple years. So to that point, in terms of their draft picks, of course, this, despite forfeiting their first round of this year, again, friendly reminder, uh, they have three first round picks this year and five seconds. Wait, why are the first forfeiting the first for this year? Uh, they did last year. Sorry. Oh, yeah. I, was like, I said this year. It was last year's draft. Gotcha, they forfeited gotcha, the yeah. 11th overall pick. But yeah, three first rounders this year, five seconds. And still, Phil Kessel could be traded. Mm -hmm. Chickren could be traded. Shane Gostas Bear could be traded. There's a lot more pieces that they could pick off of this team to go full scorched yep. earth. The attendance thing, though, that gets me. When Arizona has bad attendance, oh, move the team, they're shit. When Ottawa has bad attendance, oh, well, it's because the owner sucks and it's in Canada. It's not in. It's yep. not in Ottawa. Yep. Um, those are those are two. Arizona's thirtieth. Ottawa's thirty first in terms of attendance. Buffalo is dead last. Arizona's arena. Uh, Arizona's attendance percentage is sixty seven point six this season. Ottawa's is sixty. Buffalo's is forty five. Oof. But when Buffalo's attendance is shit, oh, well, it's because the ownership and it's the fans making a stand and really sending a message towards ownership. Bullshit. Yeah. Bullshit. 
You, you can't twist and change the narrative. It's, it's all crazy. the same thing. It's... Nobody wants to show up to watch bad teams, even though we know, yes, the Sabres fan base is incredibly passionate, but don't sit there and turn it into this fucking, oh, yes, this crusade against terrible ownership. Meanwhile, Coyotes fans, oh, just move the team. It's bullshit. It's, it's, it's still that bias of hockey market and the older teams and those teams, you know, the Canadian teams especially. It's always a reason other than something that they'll give to someone else. And it's just that, you know, crazy resistance to Arizona. I was, I've been guilty of it at times too. It's like, why the hell, you know, it's Gary Bettman's little fucking child and stuff like that. But it is, I won't deny that. Yeah. But, but at the same time, the way people twist and turn yeah. the narrative surrounding them is just simply unfair. Yeah, and like you like you mentioned, you'd think they were dead last. They're not. And those teams that are below them, it's it's every excuse under the sun as to why. And especially that one, that's the one that cracks me up. Oh, they're taking a stand. It's like, what? why doesn't Arizona do it? Dude, they've, they've gone through hell like the past few years. Like, whoa, where's my team going to play? I don't know. Oh, our management is shit. We got to forfeit a pick. Oh, they're drafting this horrible human being like good god yeah like i said just the shifting of the goalposts uh, for buffalo does it it's a it's a loyal uh it's a it's a loyal honest cause when arizona does it oh they just don't deserve a team yeah it's bullshit montreal though our other big talking point here of course on the other side of this matchup speaking they of, have officially hired speaking a new of, general manager yeah, i was just gonna say speaking of not deserving a team just uh, I just I, I just want I want it. Bring it, bring it, motherfuckers! You Frenchies, come at me! Oh God! <laughs> the Habs have hired Kent Hughes as their new general manager. Hughes, of course, being from Montreal, is bilingual, uh, which was a qualification for the job in the first place. Idiots, but hey, maybe Hughes is the right guy for the job. He is 51 years old. He has been a player agent for about. 25, 30 years, he has represented the likes of Patrice Bergeron, Chris Letang, Darnell Nurse, and others. And this was a pick that a lot of people thought they were going to make because he does have ties uh, to, uh, what is the official title, team president, Jeff Gorton? Yeah. Uh, Hughes had lived in the Boston area for more than 20 years. Uh, Gorton was the assistant GM of the Bruins when uh, uh, Hughes' client Bergeron was drafted in 2003. And as GM of the Rangers, Jeff Gorton drafted Kent Hughes' son, Riley, uh, with the 216th overall pick in 2018. And you may have heard the other name, Jack Hughes. Not the Devils one, but the other Jack Hughes who is in this year's draft that is also uh, one of Kent Hughes' sons. Uh, and he is currently ranked 7th in NHL Central Scouting's uh, midterm rankings that were released last week. So this is someone who has a ton of ties to the hockey world. Uh, a lot of ties to Jeff Gordon, which is why he was viewed as a favorite. He ticks the bilingual box, and it's still a somewhat surprising thing. This is primarily a player agent who is getting a job here. So in a sense, it's not the same old trusted hockey man yeah. that's getting an opportunity. And I think it's interesting because obviously you talk about a player agent becoming a GM. If anyone's going to know how to handle negotiations when it comes to contracts and such, it is going to be someone who has represented countless NHL players. Yeah, that's I kind of like that move for that reason. And I still kind of wonder how much is going to be on him, and I wonder how much Gordon is going to kind of be in charge of things, especially being, you know, all the executive work that he's had throughout the uh, NHL and with good, good success, too. So I kind of wonder if they're going to yeah. split duties in some ways, like... Um, Hughes is going to handle a lot of the negotiation, signing type stuff like that. And I wonder if Gordon handles more 
trade and draft type stuff. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what the Habs do. But hey, at least he speaks it's, French. So there you go. I mean, here's the thing, right? It's a it's a previously established friendship. They are going to be on the same page. Yeah. Like there is going to be no conflict on what they think they should do. You would presume. Um, it, it's for as many front offices as we've seen, not exactly being a cohesive unit. Um, between oh, what do the scouts and management want versus ownership? <clears throat> Edmonton taking Nail Yakupov over Ryan Murray. Uh, we've seen other examples. Literally, we just talked about the idea that Ron Hextall. Uh, ended up taking Travis Sanheim when all the scouts wanted David Pasternak. Uh, it doesn't look like that will happen in Montreal, which is good for them because that is what they need right now, arguably the most, is a clear-cut direction on where they're going. Yep. So I, you know, for as much as, you know, I can sit there and rag on them for the idea of, oh, you need to have the bilingual bullshit, this does seem like a, a good hire and an interesting hire that could pay off for the Habs. So, yeah. Our final talking point today, everybody. We saved the best for last. On Monday night, or really Monday afternoon, the San Jose Sharks beat the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, for the Kings, 12th of the year for Anze Kopitar, not good enough to be an all-star. Sin, did anything else happen in this game? Yeah, it's you know, a pretty decent game. Uh, oh, yeah, something, you know, pretty, pretty big tragedy. Jonathan Quick is probably going to be forced into retirement for getting scored on five times by TMO Meyer. Marty Baron gave him the uh, congratulatory uh, phone call. Uh, no, but uh, it's <laughs> um, ridiculous. TMO Meyer just could not miss. I think, yeah, at one point he had like five shots on net and or he had like six shots on net and like four of them had gone in and then he scored mm. yet another one. I wanted the double hat trick for him, but hey. It's five goals in a goddamn game. It was brilliant. The Sharks were kind of playing really good in the last two games. They didn't come up with wins because they couldn't score, and then it all comes out here in this game against the Kings, and that's sweet. That's sweet. I'm, I'm glad. Five goals for Timo Meyer. It's a good thing Joe Thornton was no longer on this team. Who knows what might have happened. You say good thing, but we all want to witness that, just as uh, <laughs> the, the same way you want to watch a goddamn card crash. I want to see it. Oh, yeah, boys. Come here. Watch this, huh? <laughs> whips it out of his pants this is what zero percent body fat looks like boys is joe thornton windmilling in the locker room <laughs> celebration oh no at his age yeah it'd be a lot of wind god oh, 20 man. goals now in the year for Timo meyer just the fifth player in the last 25 seasons to score five goals in a game sin do you know any of them any of the other ones Yes, so this is a range. Now, again, I said the last 25 seasons. It's only happened between 2007 and 2020, though, that we've seen five goals in a game. Uh, Zibanejad. Correct. March 5th of 2020. Um, I'm sure Ovechkin. <laughs> Shockingly not. What? Okay. Shit. Um... <laughs> so it's interesting. All these guys are European as well. There are two Swedes, a Finn, and uh, I do believe a, uh, a member of the... So. Oh, God, it's Slovakia. There we go, Slovakia. I do believe... Well, <laughs> the flag on this image is so small, uh -oh. I can't see what it is. Uh, regardless, all European. God damn it. Yeah, Slovakia it is. I okay, I thought so, but I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> hmm. Um, I just, yeah, all I know is... It's, it's tough. It's tough. I'm happy you got Savannah Jet. Yeah. 
November 24th, 2018, Winnipeg against St. Louis. Stuff? I don't even know. Is someone on Patrick Line with five oh, goals right. in a game? Really? He had a five. Interesting. Yeah. And then we flash back to February 2nd of 2011, Detroit against Ottawa. And you think back to that Detroit team, and you're like, oh, Datsuk? Zetterberg? No. It's going to be like... Cronwall? Not Cronwall. Yeah, I don't know. I just... Decent guess. Fellow Swede. Fellow Swede. I'll give you one more chance. I figured it was BS. Who was it? Was... Hol... Holmster? No. What's the other one? Franzen. Hey, there you go. <laughs> What's the other one? They had so many they Swedes on their the team, end. man. Like, Detroit was mm. basically Sweden. They still are, dude. Like, all I the know, yeah. draft Swedes. Incredible scouts. And the final player for the Minnesota Wild taking on the New York Rangers, a team he would later go on to play for, this man on December 20th, 2007, scored five goals. Right, repeat that. Sorry, I blinked out for a minute. Who? Uh, he played for Minnesota at the time uh -huh. against the Rangers. Gabber. He would go on to play for the Rangers and would, uh, yeah, score five goals in a game on December 20th, 2007. So it was Gabrick. Okay. I, it yeah, is. I there you go. There's the Slovakian it. reference. <laughs> He's Slovakian? Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> See, that's why I looked at the flag and I'm like, wait a minute. Are we sure he's not Czech? But yeah, no. Yeah. Gabrick Slovakian. Ooh. Is that so, was that it? That, that was all the people. Yeah, yeah, those are the those are the last four guys. Timo Meyer has joined that list to score five in a game in the last twenty five years. Pretty crazy, ridiculous, an amazing company as well. So, uh, one of the highlights of the season for Timo Meyer, and uh, a good way to end uh, to end an episode on a positive note with one Mr. Sin for the win, getting to celebrate uh, a great moment for Timo Meyer. The Sharks now at 21-17-2. Currently in that second wild card yeah. spot. Right in position to fuck themselves over in all the best ways. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem, right? You're still, like we talked about it, Endo, stuck in limbo, waiting for the playoffs. For me, still kind of stuck in limbo, like the Bruins should make the playoffs, barring a brutal collapse. And then there's Sin. The Sharks, currently in a wild card spot. Granted, they have Calgary and Winnipeg behind them that have both have better winning percentages so far yeah. this season. Uh, and then there's Edmonton, who's done nothing to get better or do anything. And we need uh, good draft picks. <laughs> so we're probably not getting that either way. And that's Well, the funny Sharks thing is, way. though, for as much as we hyped up the Ducks, the Sharks have a game in hand and are only one point behind the Ducks. They actually have a slightly... Better point percentage than the Ducks. Sharks could make the playoffs, man. Could, could do and it. And then you never know. But what how happens. detrimental would it be? <laughs> yeah, and I'm wondering. Oof, man, I just want to. Yeah, it's you got. Yeah, if you make it, you got to push all the way, and that roster just doesn't have it unless something miraculous happens. Whatever. Mm. Call up Scott Reedy. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, I was I mentioned him earlier yeah. um, because I was looking at, at certain numbers. Uh, Scott Reedy amongst uh, rookies in the AHL. The point leaders actually have the graphic up. He is fifth, only behind J.J. Peterka, the Peterka of the Buffalo Sabres, Matias Maselli of the uh, Coyotes and the Tucson Roadrunners, Jack Quinn, just got called up, mm -hmm. and Jakob Pelletier of the Calgary Flames, Stockton Heat. Yeah. So, Scott Reedy, keep an eye out. Keep an eye out. 
With that, everybody, we will bring this show to a close. We thank you very much for joining us. Again, we will be back this Friday. Endo should be here and with us. But this was another uh, fun show. Of course, you can catch Sin pretty much anywhere. Search Sin for the Win Productions. It's Sin for the Win Prod on Twitter. Sin still uh, no one cares still about moving my forward. <laughs> Let's be no. real. I, haven't, I still haven't hit 1K. I've had that shit open for like five years. But I... Well, what about all the mad Habs and... Golden Knights fans. Yeah, I don't. I don't even go. get any hate follows. <laughs> Save them all for me. Apparently, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> again, you can follow me everywhere. Find me everywhere at Tukey Twenty Four. I'd hope you'd know that if you were listening uh, to the show. Again, you can catch both Sin and I uh, on Twitch.tv forward slash NHL Gamer. Again, every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday for the foreseeable future, two p.m. Eastern Time for some NHL esports coverage. Uh, and, of course, a big shout-out to our sponsors again, Manscaped. You can use code Tukey for 20% off your order and free worldwide shipping. And, again, a big shout-out to Thrive Fantasy as well. Click the link, get involved, check it out. Again, Thrive Fantasy is there. Or you could use code Tukey as well. But, hey, if you click the link, it's already done for you, and you don't have to worry about using the uh, you don't worry about using the code. It's right there for you. Sin, good stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll see how the Oilers manage to... Uh... <laughs> Just keep this yeah. dumpster fire going over the next couple of days. <sighs> always, always at.